Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. Uh, short staff tonight, uh, but we've got to get one out of the way because we haven't had one for a few weeks. Joining me tonight, though, is Messenger, who's braving uh, the podcast, hoping we don't talk about Hawthorne much at all. Mess, welcome oh, You aboard. said we wouldn't talk about Hawthorne. <laughs> well, there's not a lot to talk about, really, so we'll try and avoid it. There is plenty of other stuff to talk about, though, Mess. Big CBA, yes. big CBA sign today. Uh, some comments uh, from Buckley uh, made on Footy Classified last night about the media. Um, some stuff from Hutchie that we'll play later on about North and Tasmania. So there's a few uh, a few things have hit the media that we would like to talk about uh, today. So, but first, what's what caught your eye over the weekend, Miss? Well. What caught my eye was a little bit of sort of the uh, the AFL media um, media player relationship, and I think we're going to talk a bit more about this but podcast. But last week, Dermot Brereton said some stuff about Lee Montagna, and, and essentially, well, didn't suggest it. He said it that Lee Montagna is a soft outside runner, and and Lee Montagna got very upset and sad about this, and a lot of people got very upset and sad about it, and. It seems to me that we have a incredibly delicate group of uh, footballers in this world, mm. and uh, a lot of former teammates and what have you. Who, you know, we seem to have the Marcus of Queensbury rules about commentating on footballers. We're not allowed to say anything about them unless it's positive. And uh, I wish we'd, uh, I wish we'd stop. I really do. It's, uh, it's, it's silly and unnecessary. Did you see the thing with the uh, the GWS players? I think. Was it GWS and or I can't remember who it was now, but they were they were pre-warning Jason Johannesson before the game on Instagram. Oh, that was uh, Thomas Bug and yeah. Jack Watts, and oh, that's um, what Melbourne. Yeah, it's yeah Melbourne. And that's fine. I mean, it was pretty pretty tame, really. Oh. I mean, it wasn't exactly like they were you know calling out his mother or anything like that. It was just sort of, are you ready, Jason Johannesson? Yeah. Well, maybe he was fucking ready. I don't know. So. <laughs> Sorry, I thought it was just, great. I'd like to see more of that. Absolutely, yeah. We'll I thought I'd probably try not to swear so much in this podcast so we could use it. But yes, um, I thought it was perfectly fine. A little bit of, little bit of spirit. A little bit of, you know, we're so worried about what the other people might say about it or whether the other team will use it against them. I mean, really, I don't know. I, I thought it was a refreshing change from the usual blandness we get from players. Um, cons- or players, clubs, whatever. I mean, they they they're, they're taking some steps. I mean, the 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 banner stuff this year has been kind of weird in that it's not as bland as normal. Like it's more like fun for a change for a lot of clubs. Well, it's so it should be. And the Bulldogs showed the way last year. They had some mm. really great witty banners and. And sometimes having a dig at some other people, I mean, you know, they have a slight dig and there's always somebody getting all hoity-toity and talking about disrespect and what have you. I mean, let's put things in perspective. It's football. It's just football. And it's not real life. And let's all just get a bloody grip. So if somebody says something mean about you, like, you know, get on with it, be an adult. I've got to wonder whether it makes football more enjoyable for people if it's not so bland all the time. Like just if if players were a little bit freer in what they could say, and a little less having to be bland. Like you look at the post game interviews, and they're always the same variety of they were good, 
we were slightly better one week at a time, and, you know. Like, we, we knew it was, we knew it was going to, in fact, you know what, we could actually take 10 key phrases and recreate every football interview. That's an interesting So idea. we can say we were just pleased to get the four points. Um, we knew that they'd be, they'd be firing. Um, they, um, you know, we, uh, boys just worked really hard. And we were really keen to, you know, there's just this whole group of cliches. I mean, we've been, people have been taking the mickey out of it for 20 years, but it doesn't change because media, they seem to be, have all the uh, personality trained out of them. So nobody can say anything interesting or, or, or be open about it or, or God forbid controversial um, because they get, they get smashed. So I, it's almost a waste of time now, isn't it? Well, I think this leads us into uh, the media comments that Buckley made, and I don't have those to hand, but he did. He was saying last night that the media, uh, pl- the reason the media gets treated with some contempt by players and coaches and things like that is in part because they don't consider it their job to talk to the media. They, it's their job to win flags for the club and, and for the supporters and, and, and such, and and whereas the media will attempt to spin anything they say in a in a in a poor light or whatever light that they want to show it in, um, mm. I want I, and Buckley in particular was very dead against uh, the door stopping techniques that uh, people use to like they get them in the car park on the way out, you know, getting out of their car, going into the you know going going into the club at training or coming in after games or before games or you know. That. Walking out of the uh, medical centre where they've just had their MRI, yeah, or, or walk out holding their films on crutches. How do you feel? Well, you know, waiting crutches, outside their houses or, or or whatever. It's and, yeah. and I, I think part of that is because they want to try and catch the players outside that that sterilised environment. I don't support it in in any circumstance. Like I think that is that that door stopping. And Buckley was a hundred percent right here. It is it is. Uh, it is probably a breach of their privacy in that regard. They have an expectation. Well, I tell you where it seems to be an interesting is that they seem to do it outside Punt Road a lot. What? It's something about the way Punt Road's configured that Richmond players seem to get caught in this a lot, and they see them walking to training. And I think maybe the Melbourne players to some extent as well, because where they train, but they come out there and oh, you know, how do you feel? What do you think? And and to be honest, you get the same bland, cliched rubbish that you get. Whether they're standing in, standing on Punt Road Oval after training, it's the same business. But I think part of Buckley's issue as well is that, and this is something he talked about the week before, where he talked about the media being the story as well, and these people who have quite high profiles now, Damien Barrett, Mark Robinson, and um, Sam McClure to some extent as well, where they become um, personalities in their own right. And, and really, you know, they're not that interesting. And no, they're not supposed yes, they to have the, stories, yeah. to, stories to pedal, but, you know, they're all peddling the same stories. And, and, uh, and frankly, there's probably too many people chasing not enough information in, in the AFL at the moment. They're not supposed to be the story themselves. 
Like Mark Robinson in particular. No, they has, are not. No, Ma- Mark Robinson in particular of late has made himself the story, whether he's intended it that way or unintended. He has become the story, and Caroline Wilson at times has been the story. Craig Hutchison mm. has been the story every now and then. Barrett occasionally interposes himself into the story, and that, that's not how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to tell the story, not be the story. And I, I think that's uh, and if and if we go back a few years more. When did we decide that it was good that we knew which team these people barracked for? Like all of a sudden they had to sort of be just like the common man, and it's like you know I don't care that Rowan Connolly barracks for Essendon, and I don't care whether you know Mark Robinson barracks. For, I just don't care. I don't care what the views are, and frankly, I think less of them if I think they're coming from a particular point of view. Now, you know. I think the all-pervasiveness of, of social media combined with, you know, regular television, you know, Foxtel, the fact that we've got a show on every day of the week that talks about the football um, means we've got news that has to be... T- they've got to fill that space with some sort of news. And But there's so little content. But that's, that's, so that's what little... I'm getting at. There's actually no yeah. real... But we're lucky tonight that there are actually things to discuss. The CBA is fairly big news, and we're going to get to that momentarily, because it, it is a yes. fairly momentous uh, occasion. But, um, you know, yes. and, and there's, there's AFLW teams that have been lodged. I know you probably don't care that much about them, but it, it's going to come up anyway. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm interested that it's... that they're actually developing that now so that these t- the newer teams have a chance to get in but I think it, it's certainly worth discussing for and, sure but, and, and you know there, there is this this media discussion that, that is a legitimate point because it, it encompasses what we think about the media discussion anyway um, yeah and, and the fact that Nathan Buckley basically came out and said look it's not my job to represent the club in the media my job is to win the club premierships I'm in two minds about that too don't, don't get me wrong I think the club is a public uh, the coach is often the public face of the club um, and mm. to be a, there have been times where Buckley could have given more to the press in order to address supporters. But if you don't like what the club is, if you don't like what the media is putting out at the pre, about the press conference, you can actually watch the entire press conference on the AFL website. So yeah, you've got that option too. But I, you know, I don't want to make myself the story on this mess. So, you know. Well, you know. There's there's been talk that you've you're probably getting too big a uh, a profile in the AFL media world at the moment. <laughs> I think it's time to retract the horns, pull your head in, mate. All right. So look, we'll move on to the the second thing that I I want to talk about tonight. And uh, Craig Hutchison made some comments, uh, p- particularly regarding North Melbourne. And I was hoping to have Kangas on to talk about this, but he's got some issues with his equipment, uh, his computer equipment. Let me be clear on this. Uh, but there, there was some concerns expressed, not just uh, not just by Hutchie, but by people on social media, by people on, on Big Footy's forums concerning the size of the crowd on Friday night uh, for the North Melbourne, I think St Kilda game, mm. and it was uh, it was a very low crowd for what was supposed to be a uh, a fairly big um, a, well a fairly big occasion. Friday night footy, it's supposed to be the marquee event of the round, and was it were... a North Melbourne home game, by the way? Uh, I believe so, because they they okay. raised the yep. banner, they they raised banners and they acknowledged their flags. Oh, and... that's right. It was 
Boomers, uh, they they retired, retired Boomers jumper, and yeah. he drove around in front of like forty people. So it was um it it wasn't the greatest occasion. Mm. Um, the atmosphere was lacking. I mean, anyone who watched the game, anyone who you know, people who were at the game. Uh, so uh, this is not a solo. Like, this is not a, a far out opinion that he's he, he's ventured here. But this was an, a really poor effort into overall. Uh, evidently, but drawing on from that, he made some comments about North, uh, and he did say that North have done extremely well since uh, the AFL tried to bundle them off to the Gold Coast in 2007, and they've come a long mm. way since then. But uh, Hutchison made some comments, and I'm going to play for you now. And this was on Footy Classified last night, yep. Mr. Joan. I know you haven't heard this, so hopefully you'll be able to hear this now. Yeah, they were disappointing the crowd. I mean, Brent Harvey's retirement uh, jumper. At 26,000, their crowds are the lowest in all the Melbourne teams. Star factor not there right now. And it was Friday night, which they pioneered. They want to be a big team and they want to own it. The, the club, the board, the admin have done an unbelievable job. Right, so it's taken them a long like, way. Sounds to me like you're buttering them up yeah, for some sort yeah, of sledgehammer. Not based on Friday night, but based upon a couple of years of what? learnings. It's time that North Melbourne had a deeper and serious look at Tasmania because that, for me, oh, is a greater opportunity for their footy club without actually compromising their supporter base. I think they're in an unbelievable position, if you leave emotion out, to get the best of both worlds for their footy club and have a look at something like this. In fact, this is what I would do, Gary. If I were the AFL, I'd be trying to drive this agenda, and if I was North, I'd be seriously looking at it. A permanent move to a training base in Hobart and move to Hobart more permanently... Don't worry about the name; it's semantics. Just call yourselves the Kangaroos. Keep the holding semantics. company name, North Melbourne Footy Club, but trade and play as the Kangaroos. Nine games in Tassie, and nine in Melbourne, and four in the state. If they take that deal to the AFL and the Tasmanian government, they'll get it. So that's what he said last night on uh, well Monday night on Footy Classified. I didn't hear it. Didn't you? No, I didn't hear a thing. All right. Um, it's recorded through here, so that's interesting. Um, so essentially what Hutchie said here is that North Melbourne should have a permanent move to Tasmania. Uh, like they should have a permanent mm-hmm. training base there. They should, uh, carry North Melbourne as a trading name, but they should brand themselves as the Kangaroos. Now, I, at this point, I want to say that they did do this already. Um, I think from 1998 through to 2006, they were called the Kangaroos. And that was yeah. it. When they did their... It might have actually been a shorter period than that. I can't remember off the top of my head, and Kangas could probably correct us if he was here, but he's not. Uh, they were called the Kangaroos through their move to Sydney. Um, and then they changed back when uh, Brayshaw took over. Basically, he's saying they should play nine games in Tasmania, nine games in Melbourne, and four games in a state. Now, a couple of years ago, I remember Brayshaw saying that if they could get seven a 7-4 seven, split, that they'd be happy with that. Um, I, I could be my recollection on that could be wrong, but uh, in the end, this has got. Uh, I know Kangas was pretty vocal about it. Uh, his uh, comments were um, pretty pretty incendiary. Yeah, pretty hostile towards the whole um, to, towards the whole thing. So yeah, uh, Hachi can go and get away. I think he, he can go his, forth and, and multiply. <laughs> um, and I, I say this as a club that is a p- 
part-timer in Tasmania and has been for a very long time. You know who it pisses off? It pisses off the fans who actually pay their money in Melbourne. Now, Hawthorne's arrangement's been four games and has been for quite a while. My guess is that this would be the last agreement that Hawthorne would have, and I don't base that on any inside knowledge at all. It's just my feeling from the attendances sliding, probably the government, the Tasmanian government, who, after all, fund this, looking at how they better use their resources, and Hawthorne may need to make a decision about how they... Um, what sort of product they provide for their supporters. A, ni- a split like what Hutchie is describing for North Melbourne just puts them in no man's land. They're not a Tasmanian team. They're not a Melbourne team. They're gypsies like they used to be where they tried a couple of games in Sydney a year and then they tried Canberra. And, and frankly... Whatever you want to think about James Brayshaw, he said, no, no, we have to have an identity and our identity is North Melbourne and therefore we're going to be a Victorian team. And if they're willing to die on that hill, I say, well, God bless them for trying. Um, And there's no point in trying to be something to everybody. So, and really, you know, if a Tasmanian team can be viable, then... Why wouldn't you do that instead of having North Melbourne for nine games? Um, I don't. I think the AFL, and this is just from the AFL, has for thirty-five years said that uh, Tasmania, a Tasmanian team isn't viable. This is successive commissions. Um, they don't believe it's viable now. I don't know if that's because it, it would be heavily reliant on government support as well as uh, the AFL. Uh, or what the deal is, they've never really said why it wouldn't be viable. They've just said it's not it's not really feasible financially, and they've been saying that since the the Blue Report. So mm. it, it's it's not a new opinion. I I don't know if they'll I don't know if the option is there to have a team at the moment if to, if if North and Hawthorne don't play there. I, I'm not, I just I I just think that what is being suggested or what Craig Hutchison suggested is just a nowhere option. They're they're neither fish nor fowl, and and I think whatever you think about, you know, and there was talk about them going to the Gold Coast before the Suns were were instituted. They've picked their hill and they've said this is our identity, and I think identity is really important in this sort of situation. And they said this is our hill, and we're gonna and we're gonna fight on, we're gonna die on it. And I think that's completely reasonable. Mm. Now, if at some point down the track with a media deal there's an opportunity for rationalisation, well, it'll be. It, North may be one of those teams, but I don't know. I, mm. I I tend to agree. If Kangaroo supporters are pissed off about it, I, I don't blame them at all. I don't blame I really any, don't. I don't, anyone whose club... Anytime these discussions come up and it's someone's club is going to move, whether it's St Kilda whether it's te- North Melbourne, whether it's, I don't know, anyone else over these... Oh, going back to... all, the, Everyone remembers Fitzroy and what happened with that. Well, people that were alive. Yeah. And everyone... Every, Hawthorne and Melbourne well, support... Yeah. Hawthorne and Melbourne people oh, oh, aren't going to forget the shenanigans that went around around their merger. Can't, 
Carlton people have, for the most part, no idea the discussions that went on for years around potential merger targets uh, with St Kilda and North Melbourne um, that both never came to fruition because the year, Carlton were talking to St Kilda about merging in 95 and it never happened because Carlton won the flag. And yeah. uh, Carlton and North Melbourne were both talking in 99 when they both made the grand final. So after that, John Elliott gave up because merging was you know, a big part of Elliott's plan. So Elliot's plan wasn't really to merge. Elliot's plan was more the um, the Bears and Fitzroy, which was give us your six best players and we'll we'll you know and we'll we'll assume your colours because our colours are crap. But I mean that would have been a, a takeover, and and in much the same way that Collingwood proposed putting a little yellow lion on the on the Magpie mm. Guernsey and calling themselves the you know. But when he proposed the, this the in eighty, lines. when he proposed this in yeah. eighty five, it was probably the smart thing to propose. To be honest, he just could never get it off the ground because the timing was wrong, or people arced up when the Blues bought twenty percent of North Melbourne at one point. So, so, so here's another question, and and so let me talk to you about this, right? So, this is all born of a poor crowd. Yeah, you probably have a better sense of the finances of of these clubs as most because you read all the reports. Mm. What percentage of a club's revenue comes from gate takings? It's a good question. Um, and on Bigfooty, we maintain, a, well, I maintain a list of things. And if you give me a minute, I'll pull it up. I It depends from club to club. Um, but I would reckon of a club... A, a club, the average club makes about $45 million without pokies. North don't yep. have pokies. So you're looking probably at about 9 to 10% of the club's revenue. Is uh, gate-taking may come as from, opposed to reserve seat memberships? I'm, I'm, I'm clarifying, but it wouldn't even be that much. I reckon you're looking at maybe 25 to 3%. Even less if you're, uh, uh, even less if you're GWS. Uh, and, and and I make this point because the question is, you know, the, the first the visual indicator. And look, I was at the Hawthorne Gold Coast game on the weekend, and I don't know what the final attendance was. I would have guessed it was under thirty thousand. And yes, Gold Coast had three men and a dog there, but Hawthorne has a membership of seventy thousand people, and they've got a, a home game in Melbourne. By the way, their first game home game in Melbourne in six weeks. It's at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, and there'd be lucky to be 30,000 people there. But just, sorry, just getting my back, question... Sorry, just getting back to that. North Melbourne's gate takings last year were $2.25 million on revenue right. of 385 So, okay, so you're talking 5%. Not, less than 5%. Not an amount, but not, you know... So my question... So just sort of going back to my point. So Hawthorne have a very large membership not a high crowd to a two o'clock Saturday afternoon. I mean, really, there was no excuse not to be there if you wanted to go to the football. Yeah. But so the net, so we go from that and say, okay, so the visual indicator is God, nobody's coming to the games. They mustn't be viable. Well, you know, if your most of your revenue is coming from more of it's coming from membership than gate takings, i.e. I give you my $600 a year, whether I go to two games or 11, Mm. then that doesn't matter because you've got people invested in the club. If you just haven't got your casual fan who says, oh, geez, North Melbourne's playing, I might go and watch them. 
Well, that's a completely different issue. So, you know, you can be financially viable, and it's not, if it's not a good indicator, then the you know we're we're really phrasing the question incorrectly. The question is, do these clubs have a sufficient financial base even of themselves to be ongoing entities? I think... For maybe the, mo- the answer to that is no as well. Well, mo- most clubs are definitely improving their financial position. Now, some of them have done that through pokies revenues. North haven't done that. Uh, they, they've chosen to avoid pokies uh, since their pokey venture failed. Um they they take in currently seven million or so in membership revenue, so about three times what they make at the gate. Mm. Um, the important thing, and I've got to stress this, especially with people that this comes up on the the industry board from time to time, with Melbourne clubs, especially the smaller ones, you're not just competing with other clubs; you're competing with the AFL for a lot of your revenue. So mm. and and you and you're forced into a contract that you can't get out of. By, by the AFL's fixturing and the AFL's own contracts. So you don't have a lot of leverage to get yourself out of any financial stuff you're in because you're forced into positions by the AFL, who also steer sponsors. So sponsors go to the AFL and say, well, where should we go? And this this happened last year in the, with Audi, I think, and uh, the AFL wanted them to sponsor St Kilda, and Audi yeah. ended up going to Hawthorne instead. Yeah. Um, so the, the AFL has some sometimes has influence, I think, and I think the difference with uh, that was Hawthorne were a bigger club and they'd get benefit from that. But when it comes to smaller clubs, not uh, the AFL competes for sponsors, it competes for members, it competes for stadium revenue. Uh, stadium revenue at the MCG, the return back to football is seventy sixty-seven uh, percent, and yet clubs are getting thirty-six percent on match returns. Mm. So, where's the other thirty-one percent going? In, that's an excellent question. So, you, you, anyone that anyone that brings up that clubs aren't viable in Melbourne has and brings up AFL uh, support for these clubs as an ongoing measure as one of the reasons these clubs should go has to understand how football works in Melbourne because it doesn't apply anywhere outside of Melbourne. The and. So, I'm, but, I'm just saying that clubs so, do not have the structure of a normal business anyway. No, but I'm, I'm basically saying that it's not a black and white question. You can't just say, are these clubs financially viable without understanding the background behind it? And so some of these clubs will be better off when the AFL redoes their deals at Eddie had at the end of the year, whether it's... Yeah. Uh, uh, that'll change and when the we things. Circ- yeah, and so when we circle back to that point, and Craig Hutchinson says, oh, well, look at this. There's nobody there for the North Melbourne game. Well, really, the question is, does that matter? It doesn't look nice. But, again, as you say, if they're competing, well, are they competing with maybe they've got 10,000 people with their, sitting there watching it on Fox? I mean, God knows I sometimes sit there and watch the game. Mm. It's pissing rain. and I'll sit at home and watch the game live if I've got Foxtel. It's a, I'll do it. It's a cold winter. You but, don't want to take the family out late on a Friday night. But you know what? The club's still got my money. Yeah. Like, I've still got that res- that reserve seat sits there, whether I sit in it or not. And I, I do have the option to, to um, sell it back to the club if I wish, and I've never done that. But 
you know, they've got my money and I've made that financial commitment to the club regardless of how many I go to. And last mm. year, I think I went to three games just through work and family commitments. This year, I've been to a couple more than that. But, you know, it, it, the question from a, the club's point of view is how do I keep the members in, how do I keep the membership engaged as well? So, yes. All right. Well, let's move on. Uh, the CBA was signed today, the big news of the day. Um, it was fi- mm. finally uh, the, 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 the wheeling and the dealing and the drama and the threats are all over. The deal has been done, and it looks like a pretty sweet deal for uh, the players, to be honest, Mess. Uh, if we have a look at it, it's a six-year bargaining agreement. Uh, players will get a package of $1.84 billion, which includes mm. player wages, investments in player development, a player retirement scheme, injury and hardship support, marketing activities, and and things for past players as well. Uh, the total player payments will increase by 20% in 2017 uh, to $12.45 million per club. Uh, that's uh, $224 million in total. Increases are 1. 1.2, 1.3, 2, 2, and 2% in the years after that. So they'll get 28% off what has been referred to as forecast-defined revenue. Um, it's at 28% of AFL revenues, 11.2% of club revenues above forecasts. So it doesn't look like a bad deal at the offset. And there's some, I think it looks like a, a great deal for them. I, I think they've pretty much got everything they must have asked for. Uh, annual contributions of $4 million to the AFL Player Association's Lifetime Healthcare and Career in, Ending Injury Fund. No way you can begrudge that. I don't think players come on, they play for a short period of time, you get a career-ending knee injury or, or spinal injury or something like that, and this is going to look after you. So, uh, Annual contribution of two hundred and fifty grand for concussive re- uh, concussion research, you can't knock that. <laughs> like it's, it's a needed thing. Um, no, and that, and most of that will be paid for by fines from the players themselves. So any fines uh, at the tribunal will go towards this particular fund. Again, can't argue with that. That's that's well. I think it's well done by both parties to do that. Mm. Uh, Thirteen million over the life of the CBA to fund player development programs and services, whatever they may be. Um, for WA teams, twelve business class airfares per flight. Um, so I, this is interesting. So does this mean that the clubs then fund the balance of it so that the entire squad? I mean, most domestic flights would not have. They couldn't fly their entire team as in business class. Could I was they? Most 737s might only have eight to nine, uh, eight to ten um, business class seats, seats anyway. So this, I wonder, are we getting close to them actually sort of fitting out a plane for this purpose? I don't. Well, I, I think they've always had that option, haven't they? They've always, for some years now, the AFL has given them the option of uh, hiring a plane to fly over. I don't know, but I mean, you know, the they're, just they're, they're clearly point. thinking about it. But yeah, that's I mean, that's that's seems worthwhile. Oddly enough, business class or premium and economy airfares on international flights, other than New Zealand. So screw you oh. if you have to fly to New Zealand. <laughs> but I, which I, is the same distance to Perth as it is from? Oh no, in fact, Perth's slightly further, isn't it? I, I assume they've got their eye on uh, Chinese games and games to uh, international rules games in Ireland. Um, mm. Fun one here. Cost of single room accommodation removed from the club. Soft caps. 
Um, so no longer counted as an expense under the club's salary caps, uh, the mm. club's uh, spending caps for football departments. Mm. Interesting. Uh, removal of provision allowing players to contribute to cost of pre-season camps. Players should never have been contributing to that anyway. No. That's a, that's a bit of a joke. Eight grand final tickets for participating players. Mm-hmm. A, a thousand tickets for distribution amongst the players themselves. So yeah. next time you're wondering why you can't get a ticket to the grand final, you can blame the players as well. Absolutely. Category A rookie listed players will be able to play uh, senior football from 2018 instead of having to be upgraded. Oh. Uh, so, which does beg the question, why have a rookie list at all? It, 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 why it not is, just have a list of 44 players? Well, the minimum rookie wage will also be $71,500 in 2017. So, first round draft picks... And that's... Get, first round draft picks sorry, will get 88 grand. So... Don't even have to play a game. Is that all they get? Is that all a first round draft pick gets is eighty eight grand? Well, that's their guaranteed minimum, right? And then they get match payments on top of that. Yeah, you know. Otherwise, you know, if they, if you don't pay me eighty grand, I might have to stand out of football for a year. <laughs> Whatever. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, Brett, Brett, um, and, Brett and Chalmers style. And seventy and seventy one five is basically um, average weekly earnings, or thereabouts. About about what I'm on, I think. Just under what I'm God, you just you're rich, Wookie. <laughs> that's right. Who needs football now? Play- Who needs football? That's right. Players no longer need to be restricted free agents before becoming unrestricted. Oh, so let me get this right. So let's say I'm a bright young thing. I play a couple of years. I get delisted, and then I get rookied and list promoted at a second club. And I hit free agency. I don't have to go through restricted free agency That's right. anymore. Basically, once you hit the the mark for restricted free, or unrestricted free agency, it doesn't matter what club you're at, yeah, or how many clubs you've you're been at before, you hit unrestricted. You're unrestricted. So, um, and this this is followed up with at least one additional free agency provision will be adopted by the October. So by the end of this year, they will mm. uh, also change one of the following. They've asked for free agency for life. Free agency portability, so across clubs. Uh, restricted free agency at four years instead of, what is it now, seven? So, uh, seven, yes. So, uh, restricted free agency at four years for any players under the median salary or such other change proposed by the AFL and agreed by the AFLPA. So, they're gonna, there'll be oh, more changes to free agency before the end of the year. I, I could see two things happening and this is sort of along the American model particularly the NBA is that initial draftee contracts be longer um, if you're going to hit restricted well, agency apparently that at was, four years sorry that, that thing about uh, the uh, initial contracts being long, that's been specifically knocked back apparently by the players yeah the players because Brisbane specifically asked for it apparently as a measure to help keep them ret- uh, allow them to retain players and the AFLPA is no, don't want to borrow it. But we want to be a restricted agent at year four. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, I think, you know, and there's a couple of things, and again, we borrow from the American system, that that there's no, there's very little built-in advantage, advantage for clubs that draft players. Mm. And, you know, at the moment, and we'll give you the obvious example, was Buddy Franklin, where... Sydney 
where the the money over the first five years that Sydney and Hawthorne offer was essentially identical, but Sydney was willing to offer him nine years. Mm. Perhaps on the cynical basis that they may not have to actually pay him years seven, eight, and nine because the AFL let him off. But you know Hawthorne insisted that Sydney have their feet held to the fire for that. But you know maybe we say look, the maximum contract length is. And in the NBA, we'll give you an example. Maximum contract length, if you don't hold their rights, is four years. But if you hold their rights, it's five years. So you can give them an extra year and you can give them more money. Um, but, you know, this I, I, I tend to think the clubs are going to rebel soon. I think the clubs are going to... This is going to be a problem for them. I, I think the whole... I think the cost is going to be a, a problem for them. Not just not just the uh, the drafting. I think the clubs have just about had enough of uh, the players getting all the money. Well, what they perceive as the players getting all the money, and the clubs basically getting enough to cover the wage bill and nothing else. Don't the AFL essentially pay the wage bill of the players, though? They've never paid a hundred percent of it. The AFL but they don't, pay a lot of it. They, they pay well. They give the clubs nine million or, or ten million or whatever it is at the moment. Um, be interested to see what the distribution comes up to this year, given the new deal started I mean, this year. But I mean, if um, they're giving them nine or ten million, they're essentially giving them ninety percent of their wage, their player wage bill. So all the clubs have to do is fund everything else. But nothing, nothing happens in isolation. So you got the, the AFL clubs will be looking at what the NRL clubs got off the NRL, and that was a hundred and thirty, mm. a guarantee of a hundred and thirty percent of the salary cap. Um, so 30% above that, so the league is going to pay 100% of the NRL salary cap plus 30%, which is why there's, Mind you. which is why they're fighting like buggery at the moment because, uh, the NRL wants to keep the wages down because they can't afford to pay 130%, but, you know, maybe... and, and the guy who instituted that's just about to lose his job over at John Grant as mm. well, so. So I'm not saying it's a smart yeah. idea, but I mean, no, it doesn't happen in isolation. The clubs are going to. The clubs are going to start asking where the money's going at the top for a start, um, mm. and the clubs are going to say the clubs are going to be well. The clubs should have been holding their hand out already and saying, "Well, hang on a minute, you guys got looked after in the last two deals. Who's going mm. to start looking after us? You know, we don't want we don't want it to be handouts. We want it to be you know guaranteed revenue like the clubs are getting. Why aren't the clubs getting a guaranteed revenue percentage if the players are? Indeed, why aren't they? Because at the end of the day, you can you can have all the players you like, but without the clubs, the players don't have jobs. And yes. the players come, players go, the clubs hang around. I, I, I don't understand how the clubs don't push for their own CBA, in a way. I'm not saying they should have a CBA, but they should be pushing for something similar. Anyway. What, what, they, what they need is, I think what they need is they need some, not total protection. I think they need some protection for the choices they make at the draft. Now, I mean, I'm against free agent compensation, particularly as the way it's instituted now where you get a compensation pick for something you drafted seven years ago. But I'm certainly in favour of the idea that that, that they need a better deal for being the incumbent when it comes to free agency. And just the thing we've also didn't mention is that that restricted free agencies for players under the median salary. Yeah. So the way, I guess, of also making sure they're under the median salary is making sure that 
in the final year of their four-year deal, they are over what would be the median salary, which is going to be lower than the mean salary. But you get a magical um, pay rise I, ten days before the end of the financial year. <laughs> well, it? I mean, the, the cynic in me says that you know, yes, they they do their rookie deal in year one and two, but if they're good, then maybe year four is the year they get their massive bump. Mm. And um, and then all of a sudden, if they're over the median number, such as it is, then then they can be restricted. But yeah. yeah. The other thing that they've agreed to is uh, players agree to license their personal GPS data, um, which is the NRL started doing at State of Origin last uh, the last State of Origin game, um, uh, broadcasting the GPS data to the public. So they've allowed, uh, they've allowed that. Arrested uh, players or held over travelling emergencies will be let out of the... Uh, will still receive match payments, even if they don't play. Uh, is the other one. God. So the, the, I, I think they got everything... They must have got everything they asked for here. Oh, I can't help but think that they have. Now, the, the, only, the only, one, the only thing that... We... Sorry, the only, the only revenue they haven't got, that is uh, revenue that's not included in this, is stuff like uh, bequests and donations government grants, uh, non-football revenue, and revenue from the AFL women's competition, uh, as well as any revenue generated by the AFL through Etihad Stadium for the life of this particular CBA because they're going to use it to pay off debt. But that doesn't seem unreasonable to me. I don't know why players would get a share of bequests. No, and but... Nor should, and, and nor should highly played professionals get a share of the AFLW. That's ridiculous. They also don't get a share of uh, gaming revenues, which was talked about briefly, and it is something that uh, the NRL Players Association is asking for in their deal. So, um, be, which is funny because the NRL clubs don't actually have their own pokies venues. They're, the uh, players are actually asking for a share of the league's club revenues. So Yes. Um, Ian Prendergast getting a bit greedy over there, being described as the man who will single-handedly fuck up rugby league and then leave. (laughs) Well, who would have thought that there was anything left to fuck up, let's be honest. Um, Just back to to the AFL-CBA, I think the interesting thing, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, was that there is a massive jump in the salary cap. Mm, mm, 20% um, 20%. So we are effectively going from 10 to 12 million. And so we talked about this the other day, that there is effectively $36 million of cap room coming into the off-season in one fell swoop. Yep. Everybody has money to offer Dustin Martin. Yeah. Everyone has money to offer Everybody. If you're, a player, so you, if you're a player without yeah. a contract and you, sign, and you sign before this, you're an idiot. Well, this is the coming off season, isn't it? So this is the coming off season now. So if you're a free agent this off season, you're getting paid. You are absolutely getting paid. And and if the idea and there are guys compulsory, they're going guys top end talent's going to get a million plus because mm. they can and they can ask for it and and they know everybody's got it. Now, how many of the, the current listed players will have mechanisms in there where they actually get a boost based on the CBA, on a CBA rise? Because this would be unforeseen, 20%. Oh, yeah. This is, frankly, this is lunacy. We're going to look back on the next off-season 
and we are going to say, I cannot believe that guy got that money. What 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 hasn't been said anywhere is, and and the one thing that concerns me is if there's a lessening of revenue, the players have said all along the line that they are not willing to take less than 28% of the revenue if the revenue drops. So um, that's that'll be fun if revenue drops in the future. The other thing, uh, the benefits for past players is an interesting one. Hmm. Um, there'll be concussion research and support. They'll get access yes. to they'll get access to which is fair enough, obviously access to the AFLPA yep. psychologist network, uh, bulk billing GP consultations through the AFL Doctors Association, uh, hospital access. <laughs> yeah, I'm so 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 they've negotiated. The AFL have been happy to negotiate that the Commonwealth will pay for their GP visits. I I assume so. Hospital excess reimbursements. Uh, career transition support, education and training grants for those in the first three years of retirement. So, and and, and honestly, the bulk billing through the AFL doctors—that's that's just <laughs> that's nothing, really, that's, is it? That's just bullshit. Yeah. Um, uh, player player retirement scheme contributions for 2017 will provide payments ranging from 10,000 for a first year player to 20 grand for 10 years o- and over. So, there well, you go. I think they've done well. The, the players have certainly makes, done well. I'm going to get in the training and see if I can get drafted. Players have done well. I think the AFL will be glad that it's all over and they, I mean, they didn't want to give them a revenue percentage, but I think there's plenty of revenue coming into the game at the moment to be able to deal with that at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And and um, Assuming Eddie Had doesn't become a colossal disaster in AFL hands. Well, yeah. The, the, the interesting thing there is with all that extra money, who will get that? Because they're talking about the average wage going up and they say it will go up by over $60,000. But what will the median wage be and how much of that additional will go to the the, the very best? The, the average wage is going to be about $390,000. So, <laughs> well, they're saying the average wage will be about $371,000 um, just from the AFL, um, what the AFL yeah, by have two, said. By 2022, but, the average will be three hundred eighty-nine. Yeah. But the averages are deceptive. It's a bare question of what's man in the middle getting um, and I, I tip he's probably not going to get much more and um, most of the money will go to the guys who in theory win the games and, and make the revenue for the clubs which you know, is not an unreasonable proposition mm. given you know they're the ones that um, are delivering the results for their football clubs but um, yeah, the, the middle class will get squeezed out here I imagine so, yeah, end of the day, another year where strikes were talked about and all sorts of crap was thrown about. Gill and McLaughlin didn't turn up for a meeting before Christmas and so they spat the dummy and all this stuff, all all, all rectified like usual. Just, yeah. It's all done. It's all done. The AF, and the AFL would be glad, given the uh, conniptions that other codes are having as well. So, um, cricket's deal is still not done. <laughs> Like Sutherland is, the, and I, I want to frame. I'm saying this because the AFL has given the players a, a guaranteed share of revenue, 28% of revenue of football revenue. 
Now, yes. every other players association, except for the rugby union guys, as far as I know, is going to their code people and going, look, we want a guaranteed share of revenue. And up until now, no one has been willing to do it, except for cricket. And cricket's gone, hang on, we're not doing this anymore. <laughs> so, and and they've been really right. and they've been really stubborn about it. The cricket guys, that 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 saga has been ongoing for some time. Rugby league is refusing to uh, give them a percentage of revenue as well because they need the money for development and to spend on their digital media strategies and things like that to catch up to everyone else. It's a uh, it's a fascinating environment to to look at if you Indeed. if you don't Indeed. have a life like me. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, we've got to move on because we haven't even. We, while this has been a, a fascinating discussion, and I'm sure we've put many people to sleep, it will turn people off. Both sure. of both of our listeners, yes. That's right. <laughs> you know. But uh, hi, Dan. You know. <laughs> yes. So, Dan's the only person I know that is listening. So yeah, there you go, Dan. Shout out to you, mate. Now, um, we should talk about the football. <laughs> Uh, if we must. We, we must, we must miss, uh, if for no other reason to amuse ourselves at uh, the lowly positions of certain clubs. Adelaide on top of the ladder at the end of round 13. Uh, we are just beyond the halfway mark of the season there. Adelaide on top with uh, equal points with GWS, but Adelaide have a far better percentage. Um, Geelong coming in third place there, outright third. And a bit of a logjam between 4th and 7th with Port Adelaide, Melbourne, Richmond and West Coast in uh, in there at 7 and 5. Um, and just below them, a bunch of teams on 6 and 6 with uh, Essendon and the Western Bulldogs, St Kilda and Fremantle. And for this time of the year, to still be in touch, there's a bunch of teams in 5 and 7. Uh, Swans, Pies, Suns, and even the Blues. Yes, even the Blues. Right. Five and seven. That's in touch, so... Well, is they're two four ga- and they're, eight they're, in touch? Well, I don't see why not. You're three games out of... You're three games from fourth. <laughs> like, three and, games from fourth in 17th. You know, three games from fourth. It's only round 13. You've got nine rounds to go. Yes. I, I, I mean, it's unlikely, given your form, let's be honest. Uh, and, you know, we haven't got to those teams in four and eight yet, but North Melbourne probably surprising a few people by how low they actually are this year. Um, Hawthorne amusing a lot of people by how low they are this year, let's face it. <laughs> not you, of you course, Miss. Um, no, 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 not amusing me at all. It's a bit upsetting. Ha- but, ha- having know. listened to your uh, gloating for many years on this podcast... I've never, glo- I've never gloated. I've been a magnanimous victor for all those years. Um, I resent that. I and resemble it a little, but I resent it. The only side, the only side you could categorically rule out, I think, at this point, is Brisbane, who are two and ten yes. at the moment, <laughs> and not showing. Yes, I mean they're showing some okay signs, but uh, you, you know, you'd think eight games out of the eight with nine rounds to go might be a little insurmountable. Look, I'm not saying it's likely that these teams that are, you know, North and Hawthorne, I think their their run is, is pretty far gone. Um, but three, three, you know, three games out of the eight is three games out. It's a very even season. You just... You just anybody can beat anybody on any given day. And, I and think it's taken just use that cliche. But but I think it's taken a while. We've got through the compromise drafts, and it's showing now that the competition is evening out. 
there's some good coaches around. No, that, this. that is true, yes. I mean, we, we had a few tough years where there were teams that were getting flogged routinely every other week. And there's no, there's no question that, uh, you know, well, there is a question, obviously, as to whether it was good for the league or not. But with those, with those concessions done and, and, and though the drafts normalising, this is what this is what we were meant to see. This is what we're meant to see the whole time. But this is what we're getting now. So I think we get, we got there's some good young coaches out there as well. There's a, Rodney Eads dash is probably just about done. <laughs> well, you you'd think that, but they're, they're look they're improved. They're improved. It would be hard to make a case to say that they should not keep him on based on yeah on the level of improvement given. Given when you think about the the players they hemorrhaged over the last couple of years, I think you know you, you got to got to say I think he's done a pretty good job, really. Um, I, I I think it's pleasing that the competition is is so much more even. Although I did hear one commentator suggest that that's because not every nobody's as good as they used to be. I guess would be the way to phrase it. But I'm I'm frankly pleased that there's at least a little bit of suspense and we don't have two teams sitting on top four games clear already because we've seen that yeah. over the years. Um, yeah. And, and that's, I think that's Indeed. what's pleasantly surprising about the year. There's no one, there's no dominating team. Anyone can be beaten on their day. I mean, yes, Adelaide is likely to win as much as anything and GWS until a couple of weeks ago were, were thought to be up there as well like that. But um, I, I, I just think that the... It's it's refreshing from a number of points. Not only is it uh, a very close league, but there's a, a lot of like the, the the people in charge of these clubs. There's a lot of younger coaches. Um, I think Buckley and Clarkson might be the longest running coaches now. Like well, senior absolutely. coaches, at least. Or, well, if you don't count Eid, but um, you know, there's there's well, in continuously in their yeah. job. Yeah, I, think I mean Richardson. Clarkson's Richardson's been in, in coaching for a while as well, and, and Hinckley has been uh, was assistant coach for a long time before he got a senior job. But um, but in terms of current tenure, it would probably be Clarkson, wouldn't it? No, it would be. He's it, been, but he he was also the, the senior uh, coach for many of these younger coaches. So yeah, well, he'd be in year. This would be year twelve now. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So and that's that's pretty good longevity as as senior coaches. Well, you, you win what three flags in that time, and that gives you some leeway to run four. around. Four, please, four, three or four. Is there really a is there really a difference? Uh, yes, <laughs> there is. All right, we'll quickly move on to this week's round mess. Um, oh. God, let's just get the first one out of the way. Adelaide Hawthorne Thursday night. You guys, oh, are you guys any? It's ch- just it is, it is. Have we got some ins? Have we? <laughs> I don't know. No. God, are you guys so any chance at all? Be, none, none whatsoever. We are going to be brutalised. Don't let your children watch it. It's going to be frightening. Um, it's oh no, it's going to be horrific. <laughs> Yeah, I am no. fortunately, I am fortunately out at dinner that night because God knows I wouldn't be able to watch it. Anyway, put put your kids to bed next, and uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. should, should should be rated R for adults only. 
Um, Absolutely, yeah, no. Severe violence, uh, yes. Friday night at the SCG, the Swans have got Essendon in what should be a reasonable game based on current form mess. Mm, I think I like the Swans just only because it's in Sydney, but mm-hmm. Essendon, they're going to get... I don't know, they've come off the bye. I'm just going to say Swans just, but not with any conviction. Mm-hmm. Another good game mm. on Saturday... Well, I guess, theoretically, they're all good games at the moment. I mean, they could... Well, close games at least. Well, I mean, Collingwood and Port Adelaide at the MCG. Back the pies at the moment at the G, wouldn't you? Which port's going to show up? Oh, that's a good point too. Yeah, I, I don't know. I tend to think overall, like, line by line, Port's probably a better team than Collingwood. Mm. Um, and sometimes they, you know, you get, it's a bit Jekyll and Hyde with them, but I tend to think Port, if the good, if good Port shows up, Port will win. Good Port. Good port and bad port. I could, I could use a good port about now. Um, Brisbane. Yeah, so could I. Brisbane and uh, GWS on Saturday at the Gabba. Oh, my. Gabba. Oh, you, the things that they will do to the Brisbane Lions, it will be unedifying. The Lions weren't, um, the Lions how, weren't bad on the weekend. Well, they, they weren't great, but they weren't bad. I'm not, I'm not saying they'll oh, beat GWS, so I'm just saying it might not be the flogging you're expecting it to be. No, it'll be the flogging I expect it to be. <laughs> 15 goals. Western Bulldogs have got North Melbourne at Etihad Stadium um, on Saturday, Saturday night. Dogs. Crowd, Dogs. Crowd turnout this will be is... interesting. Yeah, they'll both be there. <laughs> um, I, I know I tend to think, I mean, yes, it's the old premiership hangover, blah, 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 blah. Um they're a good team. North Melbourne are not very good. Um, dogs. Just I do. I want to They'll say. Be s- I want to say one thing. Can I use a media? People... No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. All right, right you, go, you, go, you go. You go. No, you go. Media yeah. cliche. Okay. The dogs will be stung by recent criticism. <laughs> stung. There you go. I, I think um, some of the crit- Well, some of the critics lately have been saying that they didn't actually deserve to win the flag last year that they kind of accidentally won it more than anything else. They fell into it. And that's that's but, rubbish. You win the flag, you deserve to win it. There's no no two ways around it. But let me just check something. Can, can you can you just check for me who won the 2016 Premiership? I have no idea. Oh, you don't know who won the Premiership I'm, in 2016? It, it was the Dogs, right? It was the Dogs. Right. So they won it. So does it matter, really matter whether you think they deserve to win it or not? No, but this is my point. No. You, if you win yeah, the flag, you. if you win the flag, you win the flag. That's you know, there's That's you, it. You, you've been through the season. Seasons aren't you know. You might have had a bit of luck through the season, injury wise, or had the odd free kick go your way. But uh, you know, you, winning the flag is, is still winning the flag. Now, uh, West Coast have got Melbourne on Saturday night at uh, Domain Stadium in Perth. Uh, Melbourne have been in some reasonable form, but West Coast in uh, Perth going to be hard to beat. The question is, does this fall into the flat track bully space that they enjoy? Well, you'd have to say yeah. that, I mean, Melbourne had a great win in Adelaide a few weeks ago. Here we go, another cliche. They wouldn't have any fears about going on the road, Wookie. <laughs> I'm tipping the Demons. These could win this. I mean, there's no reason they couldn't. It's the uh, it's, it's the it's just, Lewis and Mitchell Cup. 
I just think <laughs> I just think uh, West Coast are better positioned to win this at the moment. Uh, Geelong Fremantle on Sunday afternoon at Skilled State, well Simmons Stadium or whatever they call it these days. Cardinia Park, if you listen to the ABC. The SS. Um, that's that's what I think of it as. Geelong will um, will. Um, Cause them much pain and sadness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think Geelong will win this fairly convincingly. Yes. Uh, game interesting me, of course, Richmond and Carlton on Sunday afternoon. Richmond showing a tendency to lose close games of late. Carlton having a tendency to win close games of late. Um, I'm going for the Blues, obviously, because uh, this is one of those games that I actually care about. I don't, I don't care about these games against Fremantle and. The Swans and, you know, Brisbane and whatever other cockamamie franchises there might be out there. There are four games I care about a year. Beating Richmond, beating Essendon, beating Collingwood, and this year, beating Hawthorne. Ah, it still won't that's, happen, and we'll that's... still be able to roll out our, our all our lovely little Twitter hashtags <laughs> last time Carlton beat Hawthorne. So, a little, um, bit, little bit of a uh, little bit of drama about Richmond being unable to win. Someone wrote the other day that they have a disease. <laughs> like, it's it's, it's, a, it's called it's choking. More, it's That's sort of what like it is. asthma because it's a choking sensation. <laughs> um, I just for the drama of it, I am going to tip Richmond to get up so that everybody can start writing articles about how they are they have redeemed themselves and that they are back on the hunt for the flag. Uh, St Kilda the last game of the round St Kilda and Gold Coast at Etihad Stadium um, if anyone's watching if anyone's at the game <laughs> no in fact if there's a low attendance we should suggest that St Kilda play nine games in Tasmania well there are worse things there are worse things that could be uh, offered uh, Gold Coast they were quite good against Hawthorne, although that's not that difficult at the moment. But anyway, um, I'm going to tip the Gold Coast. Interesting. Uh, so if uh, what we've been talking tonight, the AFL Hall of Fame has been on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, Simon Goodwin was the first person tonight put into the Hall of Fame, Melbourne coach. Uh, yep. Uh, Barry Hall into the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So um, there you go, Brett Allen. I think was an umpire, isn't he? Yeah, Brett Allen was an umpire. Yeah, he, he's he's been uh, put into the Hall of Fame. And Not Tim Allen, the former Hawthorne, <laughs> Geelong, and St Kilda forward. Just verifying this. This is coming from the AFL website. Uh, yep, no, Barry Hall, seven hundred forty-six goals across two hundred eighty-nine games for St Kilda, Sydney, and the Western Bulldogs. And then we've got Simon Goodwin, a dual Crows premiership player, and uh, played 275 games, won their best and fairest three times. Anthony Stevens into the Hall of Fame, uh, hailing from the Shepparton Football Club. Uh, he yes. did uh, win, I believe, the flag for North Melbourne in 1996 1999. Probably not the most famous thing he was involved in. John Halbert from South Australia. Not widely known in Victoria, you'd suspect. Not involved in. But uh, 242-game career for no. Sturt. Won the McGarry Medal in 1961, John Halbert. And uh, 
uh, represented South Australia 17 times, including a win over Victoria in 1963. Uh, Ron Todd into the Hall of Fame, justifiably so. Uh, champion centre-half forward, 300... <coughs> 327 goals in 76 games for Collingwood from 1935 to 1939. Uh, played for Williamstown as well. And as mentioned earlier, Brett Allen, uh, 347 AFL games. The legend elevated tonight, and justifiably so, a legend of AFL football, uh, possibly less so for his coaching, but Malcolm Blight. Uh, there you go. 359 goals in 163 games for Woodville from 1968 to 1973. And then again from 1983 to 1985. He kicked 444 goals in 178 games for North Melbourne, including a very famous and very long kick after the siren that knocked Carlton around a bit. Uh, won the McGarry Medal in 1972 and the Brownlow in 1978. Was a two-time premiership player with the Kangaroos in 1975 and 1977. Coached 250 games at four clubs, having the most success with Adelaide as he led the Crows to back-to-back premierships in 1997 and 1998. So there you go. That's the Hall of Fame it for tonight. Be a, it would be a fairly small group of people who have a McGarry and a Brownlow. It is. I, I think um, there's... Uh, who else was there? There's a very, it's a very small group of I don't think Rashido would have played any much SA NFL, would he? Uh, I don't know if he wants. So most to... of these would have been the guys who would have played a, a big sample career and then come to the VFL. I'm, I can't remember his name, but I reckon there's a guy from who played in WA and South Australia and Victoria who won a medal in each. And had the Sandover as well. Yeah. Um, I just go to the. the I can't remember his name though. Oh, this is this is a challenge. Here we go. All right, here we go. Okay. Hayden Bunton. I'm thinking. Did he play in South Australia or did he only play in WA and SA, uh, WA and Victoria? I reckon he only played WA and um, Victoria. There aren't too many people that have won both a McGarry and a and a, and a Brownlow. So. As, as we look this up, this is riveting, riveting radio. Here. This is great. This is great um, radio, I must say. Uh, they're suggesting that Nathan Buckley D- did he? I don't think he won the McGarry, did he? Uh, yes. Who was the last? I'm looking at a list of McGarry medalists, and I'm not seeing his name on there. He was good, but not McGarry Metal good. Oh, no, he did. One at 92. I there think... you go. So there you go. One of the year after Mark Naley did when he returned to South Adelaide. So there you go. Um, John Platten didn't happen. John Platten didn't win a Brownlow, though, did he? Yes, he did. John Platten. He did. Well, Platten he won, won at Samuel Lockett did. Well. Yeah. So there's been a few. So we're, I'm an idiot. Um, but we've established that many times over the years on this podcast. We have, yes. Tony McGinnis um, won a Brownlow? Right, no, we're good. We're good. So now we've answered that question. Sorry. We've answered the question, did anyone win? Uh, I was wrong. I own that. But, um, yeah, there's been a few. Yes. John John Platten won it with... He won it the year Tony Lockett did, didn't he? I forgot that he won it the year Tony Lockett did. That's a terrible Hawkins supporter. It was Jewel Brownlow's that year? Yeah. Am, Am I right? I'm, I'm sure no, that's right. No, no, you're yeah. right. Yeah, you're right. I was, 
pretty sure it was the year locker one. Mm, mm, mm. And yeah, mm-hmm. Buckley won it with her, didn't he? So, or did he win it with Voss? Oh, it could have been Voss. I don't know. Or did Voss win it? Who won it with Rashito? I don't know. <laughs> anyway. I think we've established that my knowledge of football is uh, unsatisfactory un, 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 uh, tonight. Look, I think, um, what are you looking forward to the most this weekend, mate? <sighs> not, not getting fogged? I was going to say, I was going to say tomorrow night, but that would be a lie. Um, what am I looking keeping forward it, to this Keeping weekend? it under a 10 goal loss? 15. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yes, there's optimism for you. Not, you, no, you could get eight bucks for the Hawks at the moment. <laughs> I would. You may as well set a fifty dollar note on fire because that's how close you're going to get. Is wouldn't wouldn't be anyway, many. No, I don't have any. There would not be many times Sorry? in the la, There would not be many times in the last decade that you could get eight bucks for a Hawks win. <laughs> like, no, no, no that's you're just... right. It, that's it. That's a, that's it's a strange one. <laughs> And, and look, this, you know, and in defence of the Hawks too, it has been a rapid fall, but we are missing probably seven at least first choice first teamers, um, best twenty two players at the moment, yeah. and uh, and and O'Meara's apparently out for the whole season now, which is makes very you, disappointing. Makes you glad you did all that trading for him, doesn't it? Oh yes, <laughs> um, it's, it's proving to be a winning winning uh, winning choice there, but. I think if we're still having this conversation this time next year, then uh, we can all turn up at Glen at uh, Waverley with our uh, our pitchforks and our burning torches. We'll be at Dingley soon, won't it? You don't want to turn up with dingers. Uh, you, don't, you don't want to turn up with pitchforks and flaming torches. We don't want to turn up in flaming torches in case the methane's leaking through <laughs> and sets fire to stuff. Uh, that's right. Oh, I'm hoping for a Blues win on the weekend. There's nothing better than a, a Tigers loss. So, especially a close tiger's loss. There's nothing nothing so tigerish as a tiger. Indeed. Well, that's it from us for this week. Thanks very much to everyone uh, who came on, uh, Messenger. Uh, Thank you. I guess it was just Messenger, really. Yeah. Um, do, anybody else we want to thank for being on the show? Well, uh, Craig Hutchison. <laughs> No, how about Jacob Wiedering would like to say something. What, do you, what would he like to say? He'd like to say, oh, it's been great being on the podcast and I can't wait for That's... the Blues next match on Saturday. That, that impersonation is just uncanny. That's it's it from, that's it from us before, uh, before he launches into any of his other thousand voices that he has. <laughs> I've been the Wookiee. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you all on the forums. Good night. <laughs>